understand what that means. So thank you for that. It's great to see you all here this morning, both members and visitors alike. We appreciate you attending and being with us this morning. Let us worship God together. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Our masterful and merciful Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. We, we praise you, O oh God. We love you. We use all the words that we possibly can muster up to, to bring glory and honor to your name. Give us, please, Lord God, the strength to, to tell the world of your greatness, and of your mercy, and of your care, and of your love. Help us never to forget Jesus, your great Son, who died on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary through your predetermined plan to save us. Bless us, Lord God, as we worship you this morning to, to keep our minds right, focused only on you, to honor you in all that we say and do. We ask your blessings upon us. We ask for your help and your direction. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray and ask these things. Be thy will. Amen. Spiritual alignment. One, one more lesson on the heart stuff this morning. Just love is love is a choice. It's an action. It. It's one of those words, it's one of those, those thoughts, it's one of those ideas that can be dangerous too. But you know what happens when we love others? We, um, we expose our, our vulnerability, right? Loving, loving others opens us up to the possibility of, of being injured, of being, of being hurt, having our hearts broken. We, we can be rejected, we can be taken advantage of. We can, I mean, we can go through the whole list. But regardless of that, God still tells us, commands us, to love each other, even to love our enemies. And so this morning, the whole lesson really is on, is just about enemies, loving our enemies. I want to start out with intermittent enemies. Those are your exes, ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, ex-husband, ex-wife, ex-friend in itself, my old friends. Iodia and Syntyche, get it together, my old friend. Someone I confided in. Someone that was here at the church and, and, and they're still here. And, and, and one of you sit on this side and one of you sits on the other side. We're enemies. At, at some point, church, love has to take over. Forgiveness has to come into play. Paul and Peter. Paul and Peter. Get it together, brothers. Right? Saul was the persecutor of the church. But we got to forgive him and love him. John Mark. Barnabas. Paul, Silas, get it together. They did. Enemies. The mindset of the majority, I'm going to Proverbs chapter 24, regarding our enemies is they have to pay. Right? I mean, let's think about that. I mean, we, want, we demand justice at that point. They have to pay. They have to pay for the wrong they've done to me. And I don't have to pay, but, but they have to pay. Verse 17, it says, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. But, but the heart, the mind says, Oh, I'm so glad God finally got him. <laughs> yeah, they needed to fall. I love that, uh, that country song. It's, um, I don't even know the title of it, but uh, oh, it's about praying, though. It's not the kind of prayer we would do. 
But um, he prays for his girlfriend, and it's not a good prayer. <laughs> he prays harm upon her. But it's so real, right? Chapter, chapter 25 and, and verse, uh, verse 21, uh, the Bible says, My son, fear, excuse me, 25 verse 21, excuse me, wrong place. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. Wait, isn't that contrary to the law? You know, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. <laughs> See, they just hadn't figured it out. God's directive, it, these particular directives, they go beyond human insight. You know, this idea of love from, a, from God's perspective, this word agapeo, is, is much bigger than us. It's, it's, like a, it's almost a, a supernatural love. It's not necessarily natural because we have a hard time with it, but when you, when you implement the Bible into it and you transform your heart, you're able to perform at some level this, this, this supernatural love that, that is guided by the Holy Spirit. John 15, 5, Jesus says, you can do nothing without me. And so the Holy Spirit, God's law has given us an understanding of this idea of love. We don't always like it. We don't always like it because in our minds, we, we decide that justice must prevail every time. This, this kind of love, it, 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 it transcends, if you will, the, the, the boundaries of, of resentment and, and animosity that we hold in our hearts. Psalm, Psalm 34, that, that stuff we hold inside that we just refuse to let go of, you know it's only hurting you. It's that stuff inside of me that I'm just, I'm not going to release this. Why not? Because I don't have to. You're right. You don't. Unless you're a child of God, you're commanded to. So here's what has to happen, church. As we think about those who have have harmed us, our enemies, sadly enough, those enemies fall into another category of people we don't even know. That shouldn't even exist, right? I don't know who came up with that idea. How do you hate someone you don't know? That makes no sense to me. But anyway, I'll leave that one out there. That's free. All right, look. Here we are having to transcend and to love people who have harmed us in some way. You ever heard this? I'm never going there again because so-and-so. And then blah, 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 blah. That, that refusal to let go and let God. So what has to happen? What has to happen is this. I have to learn to trust God. Right? That, that's, that's how you forgive and let it go and, and, and just go on in, in Jesus. You have to learn to trust God. It's a faith thing. You know why I won't let it go? Because I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough faith in God that God knew it, God saw it, God witnessed it, God's going to do something about it, God is going to do it with salvation in mind, God loves me, God's going to make sure that he consoles my heart. I don't have enough faith. No, I've got to take care of it. You're going you're gonna to tear yourself up. You're going to ruin yourself, right? Psalm 34 and verse uh, 18. The Lord is near to the... Don't tell me God doesn't know, right? Don't tell me God doesn't know how you feel. 
when you're struggling in your walk of faith? When, when someone does something wrong to you? And also when you do something wrong to others? God is near to the broken hearted. And saves those who are crushed in spirit. Don't tell me God doesn't know. Stop being so arrogant and so proud and thinking you can do it on your own. You cannot. None of us can. See, this, this love thing, has to, it has to transcend beyond us when we experience things like betrayal and injustice and, and harm. When we consider our enemies, I know, the emotional wounds, can, they can be deep, can't they? I mean, they can go, I get it. I, I, I get it. But God knows. He knows the pain that, that has been inflicted upon me, and he knows that that pain has, has found itself resentment and bitterness in my heart. It, it even puts me in a place to where I desire vengeance. God, they must pay. So as we um, wrestle with the theological implications of loving our enemies, it can be very complex. This is a very complexing conversation. I'm going to Micah chapter 6. Because questions, questions may arise in, in your heart, right? In my heart. Questions like, well, God, what about, what about justice? And, and God, what, what about accountability? And, and God, they always get away with this. And the nature of God's love sometimes, right? God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? You, you've heard these before, right? Maybe you've echoed them before. And then there's that, that trouble when it comes to discernment. How do I balance this thing out, right? Discerning in my own heart and mind and relationship with the Lord how to, how to balance out the pursuit of justice, but at the same time having a, a deep reflection on God's love and trying to be like God. That, that's how do I balance that, Lord? And God says, you, 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 you cannot do that on your own. You need me. And so he says in Micah 6, they're going through this whole discussion about, well, what do we bring to God? How do we, how do we make God happy? What does God really expect or ask of us? And uh, verse 8, he has said, he's told you, O oh man, what to do. He's told you. Micah 6, verse 8. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your, with your God. <laughs> well, Lord, that's, Sounds simple. Now let's think about what that, what that looks like. And why is that? I'm going to Nehemiah. Why, when you think about that, what does that really, what does that mean? What is, what is, God, what is God asking me to do? Remember um, the Bible says that we are supposed to, um, to love our fellow man as God loves us. Remember Ephesians 4.32 Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. To forgive my fellow man as Christ has forgiven has forgiven me. And, and they don't deserve it, right? Neither do neither do I. 
right. So, so look at Israel. Here's a, here's a beautiful picture, right? Look, remember where you come from in your life of sin. Stephen hit on that this morning. Remember your place of value. Remember your relationships that you have muddled and destroyed and altered. Remember you. Look at Israel. And and think about how how so nicely the church kind of fits in. (laughs) Listen. Nehemiah 9, beginning in verse 16. But they, our fathers, acted arrogantly. They became stubborn and would not listen to thy commandments. They refused to listen. And did not remember thy wondrous deeds which thou hast performed among them. So they became stubborn and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But thou art a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. And thou didst not forsake them even when they made for themselves a calf of molten metal and said, This is your God who brought you up from Egypt and committed great blasphemies. Thou in thy great compassion didst not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud did not leave them by day to guide them on their way, nor the pillar of fire by night to light them for them the way which they were to go. And thou didst give them thy good spirit to instruct them. Thy manna thou didst not withhold from their mouth, and thou didst give them water for their thirst. There's a whole lot of stuff God is doing. You know, and look, and they were enemies of God, right? Because they were, they were living so rebelliously and, and, so, and so wickedly. And yet, even though they were being so rebellious and so wicked and, and God wasn't first and, and they had their idol gods, something they put before God, and they had idolatry and they had, and yet God was still good to them. Indeed, for 40 years, thou didst provide for them in, in the wilderness and, and they were not in want. And their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet swell and in the wilderness they just grumbled and grumbled and complained about their lives and they grumbled and they grumbled they come wow it sounds a lot like us and yet God is still good to us at some point church we have to change I love toward God I love toward each other listen to what it says in verse 26 You, you can read the rest of that and get the context but they became disobedient and rebelled against thee and cast thy law behind their backs and killed thy prophets who had admonished them so that they might return to thee. And they committed great blasphemies. Doesn't matter what God does. Doesn't matter how great God is. It just doesn't matter. All that matters is me. They wronged me, God, so they've got to pay. Love? Loving your your enemies. You know, Matthew 7 and verse 12, you know, that great commandment um, that God, we, they call the golden rule. Whatever you want, want to do for you, so, so do for them, right? You, you have to love that, that, that great uh, passage that God has, has given to us. It, it's the way, you, the way you expect to be treated. It's the, way, it's the way you ought to treat other people, right? And, and what, if we, what if that verse read something like, what you want God to do for you, do for him. How many of us would be in trouble? 
God expects us to be there for not only each other, but also for our enemies. And you know what God does? God, he, you know, he, he, he dumbs it down for us. Look at Exodus 23. Listen to what he says. Here's a, here's a real live situation, right, where, where you're at home and, and you notice out there something that isn't right, right? Maybe uh, uh, you, you, we'll call it our, our neighbor's dog is out there and he's in trouble. But our neighbor is our enemy. Did some things we didn't like last week. Do you go help that dog? Right. And then return it back to your enemy? Well, he, well here, li- listen to Exodus 23 and verse 4. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey wandering away, you shall surely return it to him. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying helpless under its load, you shall refrain from leaving it to him. You shall surely release it with him. Take care of the animals of your enemy. You know what God's really saying, right? Really, you love that dog more than you love a human being? That's what he's really saying. You, you get that, right? Because in the New Testament, he makes it clear that you know, God loves us more than a bird that falls from the... You are more important and more valuable than a bird that falls from the sky. Don't you realize we're more important than animals? We're made in the image of God. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is hurting, love him and help him. Really? That's that love that God asks of us. What, what kind of love, God, can you, would you give us a picture? Yeah? First Samuel, chapter 24. Just give me a picture. A real enemy, Saul, David. Right? I mean, you know, how many times have you read the account of Saul and David and said, I, don't, I just don't know why David didn't just go ahead and kill him. Right? You got him now. And even his men said, you got him. God's delivered him into your hands. Cut his throat. And David said, I, I can't do that. First Samuel 24 and verse 8. After David arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul saying, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the ground and prostrated himself. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men saying, Behold, David seeks to harm you? I mean, do we have time? I I could just, I'll leave this for for Stephen. Uh, Gossip. (laughs) Why are you listening to all this gossip? I I might ask a question. Why are you gossiping? (laughs) Why are you listening to all these people who are saying, I'm trying to harm you? Behold, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord has given you today into my hand in the cave. And some said to kill you, but my eye had pity on you. Oh. Doesn't Jesus say, I desire compassion? My eye had pity on you, and I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed and we might say he is my fellow human being compassion what what happened to us to to cause us to to lose compassion in our hearts for our fellow human beings what happened 
arrogance, pride, just name it, right? That, that's what happened. And, and you know what happened? It, sadly, it happened to me. Did it happen to you? It's amazing how we view our fellow human beings. David, David could have killed him, but he didn't do it. Didn't Jesus say something like in Matthew 25, what do you do to the least of these, you do also to me? Does that include your enemy? Or is there like, have we put a little subtopic in there, Lord, but this does not include my enemies, right? It's everybody. And even worse, it's your brethren in Christ. Wow, that's huge. That's a big one. Remember Joseph, Genesis 50? You know, the whole account, Joseph and his brothers came. And, wow, that, that's a, that in itself, you got to take a deep breath. But Joseph knew who his brothers were. He knew what they were all about. He knew they were enemies. And yet, and yet Joseph said in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, as for you, you meant evil against me. You, that's what you meant. It wasn't like an accident. <laughs> we didn't accidentally throw you into the pit. No, you meant evil. You, you hated me. You couldn't even speak a kind word to me. I know you. Even though you meant evil against me, God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. You know, a lot of the things that happen to me are because of me. Now, I don't know if you can say the same thing or not. But, you know, sometimes I can say things that make people a little upset. And then when they get upset, I'm appalled. Oh, I can't believe you're upset. <laughs> Something happened to our, something's going on. I don't know what's going on, church. Right? Why is it so difficult to love our fellow human beings? And I know you can give me a whole list, and I, and I get it, and I can use the same list on you. Right? Isn't that funny? How you can give me a list. It's usually the things you don't like. And then I'll say, I find all that in you. Right? That's right. I mean, that. Ephesians chapter 6. Well, I want to put it all into perspective, right? See, hatred is satanic. You do know that. Do you all agree? Or anybody disagree? Raise your hand. <laughs> don't raise your hand, please. <laughs> hatred is satanic. It's evil. It, it comes from the devil. So it's misguided. It's misguided because, because what, we, what we fail to understand and remember or remind ourselves that when there is a very bad situation that uh, happens in our lives with people, we forget something. Satan is in the middle of it. Did you forget that? Satan's goal is to get us to refuse to obey the very commandments of God so that we could die lost. Satan is the culprit. Listen, a reminder, Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. God, why do I need the full armor? Because your neighbor might hurt you today, but you still have to love him. Your wife may, your husband might, your, your children, your father, your mother, your, you need your full armor so you can stand up with Jesus. 
And remember something. The human being is not my enemy. Satan is. There's a whole lot more going on. I'm excited about looking at uh, uh, Satan's schemes and, and giving some, uh, maybe some information. I'm sure you already know of how Satan uses all these things over and over again against us just to kind of get an idea of how Satan works. Not to glorify Satan, but to see how Satan works so that we're better equipped to fight against him. But look at what he says in verse 12. For our struggle is not against humans. That's not our struggle. But I'm telling you, you know, you, you know I mentioned it last week, the politicians that got us confused and trying to make us think our struggles with him, that's not our struggle. That's not our struggle. The struggle is not about the people trying to come across the border to save their lives to get into the country illegally, illegally, whatever it is, the immigrants. That's not our struggle. You know who we're fighting against, church? Satan and evil and wickedness. Don't join wickedness and evil. Stand against it. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That's humans, right? That's not my struggle. You are not my battle. Sometimes you try to become my battle, but you are not my battle. You are not my battle. I am not yours. You are not my enemy. I'm not your enemy either. Satan is. And Satan will use whatever he can to destroy us. And see, here's the problem. Some of you are saying, no, no, you just don't know. That is my enemy. Well, you've made him your enemy. Right? God never said to make him your enemy. God said love them. Love your enemies as God loves them too. It's not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the powers of darkness, against the world forces of, of, of evil. It's against all this. E it's all evil. It's darkness. It's evil. It's wickedness. That's the battle. That's the struggle. And I know you say, well, Satan uses people. I get that. He's using people as, as the, the agency in which he inflicts this punishment upon us in one way or another. But that is not my enemy. You fight the wrong enemy, and you fight a losing battle. Verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly. Oh, I thought that was on earth. No, in the heavenly, you're fighting against the spiritual forces of evil. Ephesians chapter 2 perspective and you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience you see how it's all evil it's all satanic it's satan in us among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children, children of wrath, even as the rest. Oh, wait a minute. I get it now, God. So why is this love thing so important? And forgiveness. What? Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. See, see, there's going to be trouble at heaven's gate for a lot of Christians because of this love thing because of forgiveness there's going to be trouble at the gate don't, don't let that trouble meet you at the gate 
Jesus says in Matthew 6 in verse 14, For if you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father... Wow, wait a minute. Well, but God, don't you know? Stop being pride, proud and full of pride. God, don't you understand? Humble yourself, preacher. I'm God, you are not. You've also done some bad stuff, preacher. Yes, Lord, I have. I will admit that. Learn how to forgive. If you forgive men, then God will forgive you. If you do not, verse 15, but if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Well, what about love? Well, God says there's accountability. How much love? How much love is in my heart? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and in verse 4, I want to speed up and, and run through. Just, just get this here. That Satan is busy. He's at work. He's blinded people. Verse 4, speaking of Satan, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of God who is in the image of God. He's, he's even kept people from coming to Jesus. They, they're blinded. The Pharisees, uh, John chapter 9, they were, they were blinded. They couldn't even see Jesus standing right in front of them. They were the, the lawyers, if you will. They were the people of the law. They were the, the teachers of the law. They couldn't even see righteousness standing in front of them. They had so much anger and hatred in their hearts. And pride was leading the day. That's why they couldn't see it. In verse 39 of John chapter 9, Jesus is speaking to them. And for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and that those who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with them heard these things and said to him, we are not blind too, are we? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains. That's why it's still there. Remember the thief on the cross? Luke chapter 23. Remember the conversation. Remember, remember the thief on the cross. You, you, you and I said, Lord, don't forgive him. He's lived a whole life of sin and wickedness and evil. And now he's on his deathbed and he's only coming to you because he knows he's got to face God in the judgment. Don't forgive him, Lord. <laughs> but Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And in Luke 23 in verse in verse 34, Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots and divided up his garments among themselves. Yes, they did. Jesus says they didn't. First John, please, chapter 4. Said they've been misguided by, by Satan, and, and Satan has injured their hearts. And when Satan enters into our hearts, church, and don't think for just a moment that because you're a Christian, Satan isn't knocking on your door. And if you're lukewarm, he's definitely around your door. And if you're cold, he's in there. Get him out. I love Revelation 3. It's amazing. It's an amazing passage. The, the lukewarm church, the church of Laodicea, and, and it says they're Christians. And then Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. And I always ask the question, how did he get out? They kicked him out, church. Don't let it be said of us that we ever kicked the Lord out. 
You'll never do that if you don't struggle with love. We love, 1 John 4, 19, because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, does that make sense? It's an impossibility. It's an impossibility to hate your fellow human being and then come in here in this pulpit and say, I love God. You're a liar. I mean, that's what Jesus says. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar for the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. It's an absolute impossibility. Stop playing the game of love. Love is an action. You can see love. Love is truth. Love is action. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. How are you doing with that today, church? We'll close in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. How am I doing with that today? I said this last week, I think it was, and maybe, maybe we ought to pray a little bit more, church. Maybe when this is over, we ought to call some folks up and say, I'm sorry. Take the initiative. Maybe, maybe when this lesson's over, before the day goes by, y'all, maybe you ought to repent. Maybe there's something in, in, in my heart that, that I've got to fix, right? And don't let pride get in the way, right? Don't let pride say, well, you know, I know I need to do it, but I'm going to wait until they do it first. Don't let pride get into your heart, church. Jesus says, if you, if you, don't, if you don't forgive others, I, I'm not going to forgive you. And, and when you say you love God, you can't say you love God even in your prayer if you don't love your fellow man. You can't do it, church. I know, I used to preach. I don't like this sermon. I know. None of us do. But thank God for it. Right? Thank you, God, for helping me to figure this out. You, you know, I can sit up here now and say, okay, let's, let's talk about a great peace and mind, relaxing. Uh, we'll go into a, 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 a dietitian type, type program. Uh, we could go into all kinds. We could say, how do I fix me? When I fix me on the inside, I just feel so much better, right? I feel I'm healthier, I'm stronger. And they say, take this pill. And the only pill I can give you is a pill of love and forgiveness. Forgiveness eats at you on the inside, church, right? Forgiveness eats at you on the inside. It really does. I want to tell you something before I close out. When I was um, in the army, I had this real, I had this issue. I had a fight. Not, not in a ring. I was a boxer. I know that. But this was outside of the ring. And I, you know, I, it was a bad one. It wasn't very good. And, and, and so I, I, for years and years, it, it bothered me. And I, and I hoped that I would have an opportunity to to apologize to this person that I never, this young man, that I never had an opportunity to apologize to. And it bothered me, and it, and it bothered me, and I, it bothered me. And I, you know, I didn't, I, I, you know, I, just, I asked God for forgiveness, but I knew one day, if I had, a, if I had an opportunity to, to talk to that brother, I, that, I would say to that person, it wasn't a brother, to say to that individual, I would say, man, I'm so sorry. That was, I'm so sorry. And, and that time, it just it hadn't come. And in about, in about 29 years later, right, it came. 
Thank you, God, I wasn't prideful. I was like, man, I am so sorry. You know what's funny? They're like, sorry about what? Like, you know, so, and then I started explaining, remember what happened, right? Didn't bother him one bit. It's like, ah, you know, we were, and anyway, he goes into the whole thing. I'm like, why did that bother? It was eating at me. <laughs> Church, make things right. Don't, don't let it eat a hole in your heart. Say, I'm sorry. Make it right. Make it right today. Right? Make it right today. Go talk to somebody. Pick up the phone. Send a text. Do something. Right? Do I love you, brothers and sisters? That's the question. The conclusion, verse 13. When all has been said, or all has been heard, is fear God and keep His commandments because this applies to all of us. Right? Every person so God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Wait, did he use the word hidden? Wait, you mean the hidden stuff too, Lord? My, yeah, all that's everything. What about the stuff that happened, you know, happened 20 years ago, and we're going to pretend like it never really happened? No, that one too. Church, I'm, I'm just trying to preach to you what God wants us to hear. Love. The lesson is yours. This morning, if you are not a child of God, we encourage you to surrender to him in the waters of baptism. Tonight, if, if you would like prayers this morning for you, if, if we can pray with you, pray for you, pray together as a church family. If there's anything we can do, let us, let us come together while we sing. Oh.